Would you lift your hands with me all across this room? Our God is alive. Oh, it's you are, Jesus. We worship you and adore you.
Just place your hands over your heart with me right now. The Lord is doing a special thing in this place. Today we're celebrating graduation for those who have been called into the ministry that have been successful on graduation and have run the race of Bible college. But before we get into the celebration of what that is and and what that means, I want to share a little story. This past weekend, we had a brother, dear brother Brandon Hall, come in amazing worship leader, lead worship, and he talked about worship and even a shout of praise unto the Lord. And I was able from California to stream in. I wasn't going to miss it, even though I wasn't here physically, where I was physically in California. I tuned in, I sure listened, and I felt the Holy Spirit doing something in this church. He was waking up people, right? And a shout of praise was coming out. I'm like, wow. I wish I was there. It was a great vacation, but when I was hearing that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. God is doing something awesome. And I went to church that morning to a friend's church, and I remember they sang a song, and the Spirit of the Lord was there. And something that I've always known, that God is not limited by a building. He's not just in this church, and then he's going to visit New Life, and then he's going to visit Chi-Tab, he's going to visit all the churches down the He's not like that. He's not bound, right, 
by physical places. Like you can be at all places at all times. And I was there in California. We were singing songs. And I was thinking about the church, my local church, MPI. And the Spirit of the Lord was moving there. And how the Spirit of the Lord was moving in California. And he wasn't bound by anything. And I remembered how good of a father he is. And I just closed my eyes and I remembered that God is not interested about dwelling in a place. That was the Old Testament. He's dwelling, he's interested about dwelling in you. That your body is a living temple. So hands over your heart right now. Come on, you may not have invited him. You may not know him, but would you just invite him in to come in like you've never known him before? And if you know him, just say more, Lord. Holy Spirit, we want more. Your presence is what we desire. Come on and lift your voice. Band, help them out. Come on. Lift your voice this morning, church. If you know how good you have it, that the Lord co-lives inside you. You wouldn't just whisper and you shot it out of the rooftop. You shot it on the mountaintop.
Jesus. How many of you guys can, can testify that being in the presence of God is heaven on earth? Come on, we serve a God who does not sleep, who does not slumber. He watches over you. He watches over your coming and your going. And the reason why we can gather together today and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, is because we have tasted and seen that God is good. Woo! That is why we worship. If we cannot enter into the presence of God and experience his power and feel his presence, then my friends, you don't know him today. Because to worship God in the beauty of his splendor means you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, knowing that he created you, knowing that he came to die to take our place, knowing that he holds your future in his hands. We have to know the God that we worship. We have to know the God that we magnify and exalt and praise every Sunday together. And not only when we're together, but on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Are you worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? So I want us to gather together in 
and worship one more time as we sing your presence is heaven to me and I want you to think about Jesus we worship God the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost and he is real and he is present and he has a plan for you and he wants you to experience his power so if you want that today lift up your hands and press in today because heaven has come to the Lord. How many of you guys are glad that you came to church this morning to to be in the presence of God? What an honor and a privilege that we get to do that in America without fear of restraints. We live in a good country. We want to bless the Lord at all times. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. It's so wonderful to see all of you here. At this time, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And the reason why we start off uh, our service after worship with a gospel message is because we want all people to understand 
the good news that Jesus came to save them. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Say repent. Verse 31. I'll pull it up here if we don't have it on the screen. I really want to read this whole passage here. There we go. Verses 30 through 32. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So I want to let you know today that there's a day coming where God will judge the living and the dead. And he has appointed a man Jesus Christ as proof he has anointed him and now we are without excuse we cannot remain in ignorance like they did in the past and God was able to deal with them in a different way but guess what Jesus has shown up on the scene and 2,000 years ago he entered earth he put on an earth suit so he could become like us God in the flesh so he could take our punishment upon him so there's no more time to live in ignorance because Jesus has come on the scene and he has given proof to this one day where he will judge with justice. And because we serve a Jesus that rose again on the third day, we are left without an excuse to why we can't worship him, to why we cannot serve him, to why we don't give him our life. So I want to let you know today that today is your day for salvation. Today is your opportunity to get right with God. And this message is for those of you who are playing games with God. You've never been introduced to Jesus. You've never been born again before. The Bible says unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Time's up. We're not promised tomorrow. So with all eyes closed all across this room. The Bible says that it is his loving kindness that draws all men unto repentance. So today he's calling you to repent. And repent means to turn from your wicked ways, turn the opposite direction, and follow Jesus. Walk in the commands of the, of the scripture and commit your life to God. Stop trying to do it all on your own, trying to fix yourself. Today is the day for you to be saved. It's only by the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus that will wash you clean. So as I pray for you today, I want you to come into agreement if you know you have to get right with God. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity that we get to hear the gospel message of your salvation. You sent Jesus, the Son of God, into the world to take our place to die on the cross and we in turn we will give up this life to take your life we will carry the cross and follow you and i pray though god that today those commitments to you will be made they're not committing to man they're not committing to a religion they're not committing to a church they're committing to jesus christ the author and the finisher of their faith and i ask oh god that today you would save them in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is so good. You can stand up to your feet with me at this time. For those of you who agreed in prayer and prayed a prayer from your heart, 
to get right with God, to receive this salvation that only comes through Jesus. I want to encourage you. In just a few moments, we're going to have a fellowship time. We have prayer workers right here at the front, Cynthia and Joselito, leaders in the church who will pray with you, who will encourage you, and will show you how to get connected into the church to be discipled. Because you're not meant to walk this journey now all by yourself. We are here for you. Amen. Let's recite this confession of faith together on the count of three. The reason why we do this is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see society, the lens in which we see our world and base everything upon. It's the word of God. So let's do it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus. Eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Spend some time fellowshipping. Give somebody a hug and a handshake.
Come on, give it up for Jesus one more time. Who's excited to be a Metro Praise International this morning? I want to welcome you all here. On behalf of all of the pastors and the leaders at MPI, we welcome you, especially our first-time visitors. And if you are here for the graduation celebration for our Bible College graduates, thank you for coming and supporting these awesome, awesome students who have earned such an awesome achievement. So we thank you for being here. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for infant to 11 years old. So if you have children, please feel free to bring them back there. We have amazing children's workers. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18 years old. Let me just say God is moving. God is doing amazing things in our midst with our young people. How many of you guys know Chicago needs Jesus? And a lot of it starts with our teenagers. So our youth leaders, our youth pastors doing an amazing job reaching the youth of the city. So if you are in that age group or nobody or know somebody in that age group, invite them to Elevate on Fridays. It's amazing. We have an awesome announcement for you guys. Who's excited about the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach? It is right around the corner, June 18th at 9 a.m. We're meeting here at the church. That's a Saturday morning. And we've been encouraging you guys throughout the past few weeks to really make this a priority. This outreach we do as a whole church together with one big bang. So it's something that we take very seriously. We put all of our effort in. And if you need to take a day off of work, trust that God's going to provide that day off of work because you do not want to miss what's going to be happening this year at the fest. So we want to get this video ready for you guys to watch, to encourage you to start evangelizing, start witnessing, and see what a difference you can make in the city of Chicago by telling people about Jesus. Amen. Come on, give it up for the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. That is one of our young people, Marcella. And just to brag on her a little bit, she is starting Bible college in the fall. God is doing awesome things. So the graduates you're going to see today, she is beginning that journey. And you don't have to be called to be a pastor or go into full-time ministry or go to Bible college to do this. God has called each and every one of us to go. Look to your neighbor say, it's time to go. Go into all the nations and make disciples. So we're excited. We are also pumped because the next day after our PR Festival Outreach that Saturday, the following day, Sunday on the 19th, we are having baptisms and a Father's Day steak dinner. So we are pumped. It's going to be for both the 10 a.m. and the 1 p.m. service. Baptism services are one of our favorites as leaders because it's just amazing to see the transformation in people's lives and them dedicating themselves and committing to the Lord. So come on out, invite your friends and your family. We want to celebrate the dads that day. So bring your dad if he's not plugged into church or if he goes somewhere else. We don't want to force him to come. 
but we're going to have, you know, grill out with the steaks and the baked potatoes. So we really want to celebrate the fathers on that day. So bring your friends and family. It's going to be a powerful, powerful service. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books, and we want to send you out to do evangelism. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. It can be done. You know why? Because with God, all things are possible. So look to your neighbor say, it's time to connect. We want to connect you to our life groups. If you turn your hand out around, you'll see the dates and times of life groups that we have going on for this quarter. So kicking it off this week, here's a snapshot of what's happening just this week, Wednesday. We have our Righteously Redeemed Youth uh, Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church every week for our young children, Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. Thursday, our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. They're reaching the gangbangers on the streets. God's doing awesome things. Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivids, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're an adult, you want to be at these life groups. Make it a priority and do not come alone. Bring your coworker, bring your friend, bring your neighbor. Go get the homeless guy in the street and say, you're going to come and you're going to hear the gospel today and you're going to fellowship with my church because you need to be saved. So it's just a place for you guys to fellowship, build friendships in the church, get connected. It's awesome. Awesome leaders opening up their house to you. And Saturday, the ambassadors are meeting, 11 to 18 years old, 1 p.m. here at the church. God's blowing it up with our young people. Then we want to mentor you. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. This is done with a leader, one-on-one, where they walk through the, the book with you. You guys get to, you know, make your schedules and just really grow in your walk with God and your faith in him. When you graduate the 101, you'll go to, to our 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader so that one day you could be ordained as a deacon and an elder in the church. Then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8. We're heading the streets, preaching the gospel at every corner, different areas. Right now, it's all about Humble Park in preparation for the Boricua Festival outreach. So we just want to encourage you, if you haven't done it, make it a priority. See what God will do in you and through you to reach the city for Jesus. And so you are called to do that. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of what? Loving God and loving people. Strategy to connect, mentor, and send and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Say, let's do it. Amen. Amen. All right, it's time for tithes and offerings. This is an extension of our worship. Who's ready to give their tithes and offerings to the Lord and for his kingdom? Come on. At MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church, and an offering is above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord. Whatever he puts on your heart to give, And all he requires is that it's done cheerfully and generously. And we designate the offering towards missions and towards our building fund. And you guys have been hearing the stories, being in the building fund that we're in. God is doing amazing things. We want to thank you for partnering with us to accomplish what God wants to do in this city and throughout the world. Let's get into the offering lesson today. We are on section two of the Disciples Giving Book. You can go to givingbook.org if you want to follow along on your phones. Lesson eight, offerings can be used for charity. The offering is a gift to God after our tithes. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians 9, 9. 
as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Here are the main points from that verse. Number one, freely scattered. When we give our offerings, we should do so freely and with a joyous heart because we know we are helping others in need. And that is us partnering with God on this earth to meet the needs of the poor. Number two, gifts to the poor. One of the main purposes for offerings is to help the poor. Charitable groups such as homeless shelters, food pantries, foreign aid, medical clinics, and rehabs are supported by the offerings of Christians. Christians have been behind mission work to the poor more than any other type of an organization, and it's all in the name of Jesus, meeting the physical need and meeting the spiritual need. And number three, righteousness endures forever. The temporary gifts we give the needy will be remembered by God forever. However, the things we selfishly spend our money on will be forgotten in eternity. Therefore, be righteous and give offerings to charity that will be remembered forever. forever. So let's store up our treasures in heaven where wrath and moth, um, um, wrath, moth and rust do not destroy so that our works that we do here will be remembered in eternity because it's all about storing our treasures there, not gaining treasures here on earth because it's not going to last, right? Here's a summary. Our generous offerings that we give joyfully and freely to charity are considered righteous and will be remembered by God forever. Let's apply this to our life in three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, freely and joyfully give your offerings to charity to help the needy. And number three, as you give, also pray for those suffering in the world. Let's confess this confession of faith over our life together on the count of three. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be prosperous, you want to be a faithful, generous tither and giver of offering, Let's um, recite this out loud together on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. If you're ready to do that, please stand up to your feet this morning. Let's prepare to give the Lord our very best. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income. Mission uh, offering is de designated towards missions and towards building. On the envelope, you'll see the different categories. Please be specific about the amount that you want to get allocated towards each area. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. One, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda for that today. If you have any questions, you could ask me. Number four, you could go online and use Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, very convenient. We thank you for your faithfulness to, to give. And we have entered our soul-winning summer. God is on the move. So when you give to the building fund, this is what, come on, clap it up. This is what we're doing. Our building fund for the rest of the year, and hopefully it'll end in October, is we want to pray to partner to give so we will see a soul-winning summer. All those dates up there are Sundays where we're going to have a special outreach Sunday to reach our city, to keep bringing our friends and our family. And that's the amount that we want to raise. You guys have seen Brandon Hull, our guest worship pastor. We're raising up the band. We've got everything set up. And we want to just 
uh, give away all this free stuff at these outreaches so God could be glorified in Chicago and that souls would be saved. So we are changing Chicago and the world one soul at a time. So we thank you for joining us on this goal, this mission for the rest of the summer. Let's recite this verse together, Philippians 4.18. And my God will meet all your needs to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, Lord. And you are the ultimate example of generosity because you gave your son freely. And we, in turn, will be faithful with the tithe. We will be faithful with the offering. We will give with a generous heart to be a blessing so that the blessings that you give to us can go through our hands. Oh, God, we don't want to be hoarders. We want to be givers of all that you give to us. And I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this morning. Bless and prosper your people. Give them increase, promotions, and raises that you will meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we will trust you and we will be faithful to you first. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Please come forward as you give. And we thank you so much for your generosity. Welcome as our graduates come down the aisle as we celebrate them today. Good morning again. We want to welcome all of our family and friends to the graduation celebration of the class of 2016. Let's give them all another round of applause. The graduates that stand before you today have earned their Bachelor of Arts degrees at the School of Urban Missions Bible College and Theological Seminary. 
based in Oakland, California, while attending the MPI cohort. Albertina Allegria has earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Biblical Studies. Joel Alvarado, Alvarez, Joel Alvarez, has earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Biblical Studies with a concentration in pastoral ministry. Cynthia Hernandez has earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Biblical Studies with a concentration in pastoral ministry. And Rudy Salt has earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Biblical Studies as well. Congratulations to all of you for this excellent achievement. Graduates, you may be seated at this time. Over the past four years, they have stayed the course that God had called them to. And through their hard work, diligence, sacrifice, service unto God, and faithfulness to their Lord, they have received these degrees. These graduates that are before you answered God's call on their lives. Like the prophet Isaiah, their reply to the Lord is similar to that found in Isaiah 6-8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. I know I can speak on behalf of the graduates that without Jesus, they would not be here today. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And that's what he did for you guys. I thank God for all of his grace, strength, provision, and favor that was bestowed over their lives during their season at SUM. Each one of them put God first, counted the cost, and made sacrifices to fulfill God's call on their life, along with their wives and children and all their family. I personally, as their pastor and cohort advisor, along with many other leaders in the church, have had the honor to walk alongside each one of them in this journey as they committed their life to Jesus and diligently pursued the dream God put in their heart. At this time, we will present a slideshow of the memories they built over the years. It is a reflection of their faithfulness to the call and ultimately the faithfulness of God to them. Please enjoy.
so awesome. Now, due to his high-standing GPA achievement, Rudy Salt will present the graduation speech on behalf of the class of 2016 for the MPI cohort. Uh, good morning, all oh, you people of God. Oh, man, it is such, oh, that video was so touching, man, because my last four years were a blessing from God. On behalf of the graduates, I would like to say thank you to our families, church family, and leaders for gathering with us this morning to celebrate such a special and exciting time of our lives. Without your love, support, whew, prayers, investment in our lives, we wouldn't be here preparing to cross the finish line today. I'm beyond honored to stand before you today to represent the Metro Praise International Cohort of SUM Bible College and Theological Seminary graduating class of 2016. If you told me five years ago that I would be graduating with a degree in biblical studies, I would have laughed and used some kind of sarcastic remark to make a joke out of it. It was May of 2011. I was still an atheist. And I, would, I was just kicked out of the college I was going to because of academic failure. I had no belief in God or a higher power, and I was just fine with that. It wasn't until September of that same year, 2011, where my life changed forever. I met Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. It was so real. It wasn't long until Jesus grabbed a hold of my heart. And he called me to ministry. In a time where I was not going to school, had no purpose, no plan for my life, God told me to attend SUM Bible College and Theological Seminary. I developed a passion for ministry and lost souls and was always at the church or on the streets of Chicago preaching to people about Jesus. And you could ask my mom. I was never home. <laughs> oh, praise God. I was at the right place at the right time, attending a church in partnership with a fully accredited Bible college, and God was in control. I knew he had a plan for my life. He called me to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not only save me, all right? He made me new. He gave me a purpose. He gave me vision. He became my strength. He gave me a passion to see lives changed the same way my life changed four and a half years ago. All glory to God, amen, that I'm able to stand here today accomplishing one of the biggest goals of my life. Therefore, I thank you, Jesus, for being my strength and my vision. Throughout Bible college, for calling me to the highest calling anyone could have and allowing me to deny myself to pick up my cross and follow you so I can live. I would like to thank my mother. <laughs> you always held the bar high. You always held the bar high in our home for education. Praise God. 
and allowing us to succeed in our lives. And I couldn't ask for a better mother who raised my sister and me selflessly. <laughs> With God's strength to get me here on this stage today. I love you, Mom. I would like to thank my classmates who have been with me on this journey, who prayed with me, who kept me accountable, who encouraged me to do everything unto the Lord, and who understand why SUM is like no other school. I will never forget those late nights where we would study until our eyes would close, and we wondered how our weeks went by so fast. I would like to thank Pastors Joe and Nancy Wyrostek for always spurring me on and challenging me to get everything I could out of Bible college in order to prepare me for a lifetime of ministry. I thank you for setting the standard high of what full-time ministry looks like and believing we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. Thank you to pastors Chris and Vanessa Vitali who taught me everything I needed to know about committing my life to Jesus and serving him with my whole heart. Thank you to all the pastors and leaders that have invested in my life in the last four years of SUM because it has made me the man of God I am today. I would like to honor all of the professors and staff at SUM that have answered the call to teach and have invested in my education with their wisdom and experience in ministry. I would sincerely like to thank a special person in my life, my fiance. Where's she at? Nicole Rodriguez, I thank you for being by my side throughout the last year. You've never doubted me, and you always urged me to reach my full potential. I never knew you could have a personal cheerleader in Bible college, guys. <laughs> and I praise God for that. And I can't wait to marry you this November. <laughs> when I attended SUM, in the fall of 2011, 2012, I'm sorry. It was a leap of faith for me. I was never good at school, as I almost didn't graduate high school and I was picked out of the first college I went to because my GPA was too low. It was a leap of faith. I'm glad I took because it led to such a life-changing four years I will never regret. Yes, being an SUM student was very challenging, but it was very rewarding. I knew, that I knew the time I was investing in my education that would build me up and train me for what the future holds. I am confident in what God has called me to do with the training and preparation I received at SUM. To my fellow graduates, we did it. Come on. I praise God because we were all here today, a product of God's faithfulness and grace. We all have a story about our time at SUM. Every part of the story is important because it made us who we are today. Now is when we close that chapter of our book and step into the future of what God has called us to do. Let us be led by example, lead by example to lead the world to Jesus. Let us finish our race strong, though today our finish line is for college. There is a finish line that awaits us.
at the end of the race where we accomplished everything God has called us to do. Let us bring heaven down to earth. Let us be empowered and set apart by God to preach his word. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let us graduate today knowing that we will change this world for Jesus. I would like to conclude with a farewell message to the remaining SGM students and to the graduates here with me today that is found in Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you, and God bless. Oh, that was awesome. You can tell he is called to preach. Praise God. On graduation days, I get to preach two sermons. Let me be brief as I speak to the graduates today. First, let me congratulate you. Congratulations. Well done. You are seeing what your hard work has earned. And just a little taste of it now, but one day in heaven. Congratulations on staying up late, finishing your assignments. Congratulations on getting up early to work hard in our long 12-hour days on Mondays. Congratulations on enduring chapels with me over and over and over again. Congratulations on going to New Orleans to, to witness to the partiers at Mardi Gras multiple times. Congratulations through enduring the technology and all of the issues we had to face through doing the extension as we've had here. Congratulations on balancing your family, your jobs, your bills, and still making it out sane and sober. Congratulations that you've kept your mind. Hallelujah. Congratulations that you still love Jesus. Amen. And that your family is here and friends are here to say to you, well done. And I am here to say, well done. And the word that I want to share with them today is the word significance. Significance. When you look into the dictionary, you get uh, a definition that I think is good for us today. And that definition is the quality of being worthy of attention. Think of that, being worthy of attention. The Kardashians are not worthy of our, of our attention, but yet they keep getting it. They're significant in this world for whatever reason I don't understand. Lady Gaga is not worthy of our attention but yet the attention of this society is on them. And as much as I love sports, and I'm happy the Cubs are finally winning, there are some things more important than sports, things more significant than the Cubs, and I'm not talking about the Sox. I'm just talking about there are things that are more significant in this life than sports and entertainment. And I want to say to you that you are worthy of our attention. You have studied to show yourself approved. You have followed in the line of those who founded Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, all Bible colleges. You have shown yourself that you can be faithful to lead and to guide a culture that has lost its compass. 
Our culture no longer knows what bathroom that people should use. Our culture no longer understands how God made us male and female. Our culture has literally lost its mind and gone crazy. And yet you have taken your time to become significant. And the Bible puts a what we may seem to be a contradiction. He wants us to be significant. He wants us to be leaders. But then the Bible says we are to be the servants of all. So, so often our pastors, our leaders, our church workers, sadly, have sought significance, not the way of Christ with a towel and washing people's feet, but by trying to be entertainers, best booksellers, and trying to become everybody's favorite personality. And yet we've seen them fall time and time again. They fall to the trap of greed. They fall to the trap of adultery. One woman is not enough. All the girls shouting their name. Why not have a quote-unquote counseling session with that pretty girl, right? And sadly, this is what church has become in our culture in a lot of places. Not all, but in a lot of places. And my friends, it's time for you to be a new generation, to lift up the standard again of the cross and say, follow me only as I follow Jesus. But as long as I'm following Jesus, I will be worthy of your attention. Because we need a culture in the church again with leaders that are worthy of our attention. Those who study God's word and encourage us on marriage. You know, Donald Trump can run for president and say all of these wonderful things about his businesses, but he's been married three times. That's a failure to me at life. It's not just about making money. It's about having a family. It's about establishing godly character, and it's about being worthy of people's attention. Now, you may be here today and saying, well, I've messed up too, Pastor. What does that mean? God doesn't love me? No, he loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. So if you're looking for a good church, keep coming to this one, and we'll help you become significant in life. Amen? Worthy of attention. Because somebody is looking up to you, whether it's your children looking up to you, whether it's your coworkers, everybody is looking up to somebody. You can be that significant person that makes a difference. Graduates, let me give you the words of Jesus in red. We'll have it on the screen for everyone to see. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and onward. Jesus tells us what it means to be significant, what it means to be worthy of attention. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, everybody say, in the same way, thank you. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You don't just need more meetings and more things to learn about. You need now to meet with Jesus and to learn more about him. School can only take you so far, but it's Jesus in you that will take you to the finish line. You don't need more PowerPoint presentations like they would give you every day in class to go through their notes with. No, you need a presentation of God's power in your life. As you go to do ministry, you don't need the latest cutting-edge strategy and the newest strategy and the newest thing. What you need is another Pentecost. You need a fresh anointing, and you need every day the grace of God over and over and over again because that is what will make you significant. That's what will keep the light shining unhindered. 
a light can shine brightly, but if it's covered by something, whether it be a bowl in this illustration or put under a basket or something else, it will not be an effective light. It may be a bright light, but it won't be effective if it's hidden. And so this is what I want to say to you in closing. Be significant and be willing to take risks. Be willing to stand up on the stand and say, I will live for Jesus. I will be a leader to this culture. Even if you make mistakes, people will forgive you. There is a church here that calls me their pastor, and it's not because I haven't been, I have been perfect or haven't made mistakes. It's because in my mistakes, I've confessed my weakness and said, keep following as I follow Jesus, as long as I'm following Jesus. And so don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to stand out among the rest of your peers and say, I'll be an example of good conduct. I'll be an example of a godly marriage because that's what God called you to be, the light of the world. And friends and family, may we now support them on their various journeys. Many of them will stay a part of this church and start to work and labor and start to grow the ministry here. But you know as well as I do, they didn't go to Bible college just to be a helper in the church. I'm believing God for the next five to ten years for them to develop careers in ministry that redefine what the church looks like. I'm believing, God, that they will start those non-for-profits, that they will be our youth pastors and children's pastors, that those like Tina will work in a place like Onward House, helping single moms get out the junk in the trunk, amen, and live for Jesus and set it godly's examples. And so today, will we take the challenge of Jesus, 2016 graduating class, to be the light of the world? Are you going to get your shine on? Amen. Would you stand up with me now, please? Come towards the front. Our elders want to pray and bless you now just as a sign of God's affirmation upon your life. Elders and deacons, would you stand alongside of them? We're going to pray and bless them. And may we get some anointing oil. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit placed upon them as a sign of God's seal and blessing. The church here stands behind you. We've been with you for this journey. What a great journey it's been. And now we're looking forward to what's ahead. Congregation, would you just close your eyes and maybe stretch your hands towards them as a sign of agreement? And would you pray in your own words, maybe for the loved one you know, for their family, and for all that you want to see them accomplish as we pray? Father God, I thank you for Albertina today, Lord. Bless her in mighty ways, God. Thank you for the great a gift you've given her of education and the perseverance as being a mother, Lord. I thank you today, God, for Isis and AJ. I thank you, God, that she kept her family strong during this time. And by your grace, God, they are blessed. And, Lord, I pray for her future. I pray, God, for these non-for-profits in this city to hire her, to take her on, God, to utilize her experience and her strength. Father, bless her, Lord. Bless her, Jesus. Thank you today, God, for Joel. I thank you, God, that he has been faithful, God. He has taken his call serious, Lord. He has scored high on his grades. He's been faithful to his wife and to his job, God. He's been blessed in many ways. Now he's expecting a beautiful child, Lord. And we pray that you continue to bless him. Pour out your spirit upon him. May he know clearly, God, what he is to do with this degree, God, and how it applies to his life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you today for Cynthia, Lord. We thank you that she's getting married this weekend to Jacob, that many things have come together in alignment. We thank you, Lord, that she's been faithful and little. Now you're giving her much. I pray for favor in her marriage, favor in her new life starting in Florida, Lord. I pray that you will bless her. 
Give her the desires of her heart. May she always be close to you, God. We have become like family, Lord, and I pray that she will know that, God, she has people that love her all over this country, and open doors will prevail. And I thank you for the support she received from her family. And I thank you today, God, for Rudy, soon also to be married to Nicole. Bless him, Lord. You've put on his heart to travel and do evangelism in this city and around the country and even the world. We pray that you will bless him, God, financially. Open doors for him, Lord. We pray, Lord, that he will not uh, be discouraged, God, with tough beginnings because, Lord, you've called him to such an awesome path, Lord, such a beautiful calling. And I know there will be a price to pay, Lord, but he's willing to pay it to see Chicago one for you, Lord, to be a witness in the parks of this city and around this nation. May you bless this class, O oh Lord. May you encourage them. May their family who has sown into them financially be blessed as well because their lives were good seed. May all of us here, God, encourage them, God, now as they start their career paths, Lord, a new life, Lord, as they graduate from college. And may, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said amen and amen. Will you bless them and bless the Lord? Graduates, would you turn around and would we stand up and give them a standing ovation for the SUM 2016 MPI cohort? You may come and take pictures with them. We're going to celebrate a little bit. Come and shake their hands and get some pictures. Thank you for coming. We will preach in about five minutes. Would you keep the light on white, please? Thank you.
We'll take just a few more moments, just a few more moments. It'll also be greeting time after service. So good to see all the family and friends out here today. Oh, it's such a good day to be in church. Andrew, would you put up the monitors? I'm not hearing myself in them. Please, por favor. One, two, one, two. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, if we all could grab a seat, I don't want to keep you guys too late this afternoon. So good to see everybody here. I know some of you are like, Pastor, service is over, we're going home. But let us hear the word of God. Would everybody open up their Bibles with me to the book of 2 Peter? And would you put it up there for me as well? Thank you. What a great day to be in church. 2 Peter is found in your Bible after 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Spiritual Growth. Everybody say spiritual growth. Amen. We are so happy that you're here with us today and those who are able to continue joining with us in service. It's going to change your life, so I would say stay. But let us look at this scripture today. 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 and onward. Today we're going to learn about spiritual gifts. Where has that slide gone for me? There it is. Let's get this one off here. How many are glad we get to hear the word of God today? Amen. We'll get this ready for you in just a minute. If you could shut down the other one and just open this one. Maybe just talk to your neighbors right now. Maybe I should let them greet a little bit more. Put on a little party music for them. I'm going to help my guy out there in the back. We got new stuff going on. There it is. Second Peter. How many still got their Bibles open? One day this will work well for me so I don't have to always repent every time I come and try to use it. Look with me. I, I want to talk to you today about growing in faith. Everybody say grow in faith. Look at this passage here, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and onward. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everybody say grace and peace. Thank you. Let's keep going. Verses 3 and onward. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Everybody say evil desires. Okay. So you see we need grace and peace to escape the evil desires of this world. Now look at verses 5 and onward. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Somebody say goodness. Everybody say knowledge. Thank you. Self-control. Everybody say perseverance. Everybody say godliness. Mutual affection. Everybody say love. 
Thank you. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody say a rich welcome. Thank you. So we have been talking about the last couple of months since Easter about spiritual growth and what it means to grow up spiritually. And some of the charts that I've given you guys throughout the sermon series have been helpful. And I want to say it to your friends and family that are with us today. When we think about growing up spiritually, we're not trying to change ourselves by growing. What's happening is God has changed us first. And because we have been changed, now we can grow and do new things. So think of it like this. Can your baby grow before it's born? Can your baby grow before it's born? No, not, um, I should say conceived. Can your baby grow before it's conceived? No, it can't. The child has to be conceived to grow. Let me ask you like this. Can you grow and become a good Christian without being born again? Think about it. Can you grow and become a good Christian without first being born again? No, but think about how many think they're going to become a Christian. They're going to change themselves, remodel themselves over time by doing good works, by seeing the priest, by going to confession, and by doing these things little by little, they think they're changing themselves. But can a sinner change themselves? No, you cannot make yourself a self-made success. Without God, you're only a self-made mess. Christianity, it's not a bunch of self-effort. Christianity is not a self-help religion. God does not say, I'll accept you into heaven if you do these ten things and learn to become an expert at them. This is what Jesus said. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. So the only people that go to heaven are those who are born again, not people who try to change themselves. Let that sink in just for a few moments as you look at this chart. How does the spiritual life work then? The spiritual life works by first becoming a new person. The believer's perfect spirit and purified soul is given by the Holy Spirit at new birth. Do you know how to give yourself a perfect spirit? Can you go buy one right now at Walgreens for $1.99, two for $3? Can you do that? Do you know how to purify your soul? You can't. So that is why in Christianity, it doesn't start with self-effort. As a matter of fact, it starts with self-denial. Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, let them first deny themselves. Then take up their cross and then follow me. So how does one become born again? By denying that you are okay, or accepting rather that you're okay, with, uh, you don't deny the fact you're a sinner. You accept you're a sinner, and you deny yourself the ability to keep sinning. How many of you have tried to die, uh, deny yourself on a diet before? How well did that go? How long did it last? You saw your self-effort at its best. Now, maybe somebody here says, man, I'm great at keeping diets. Have you ever tried to not be jealous? How did that go for you? Have you tried to not get angry with your enemy? How about this one? How well are you at loving your enemy? See, you'll find out very quickly that you and I lack total ability 
to be able to make ourselves a new person. We have to deny ourselves. So somebody that says to me, Pastor, but I was born like this. I understand, but it's time for you to be born again. You were born once a sinner. It's time to be born again a saint. You were born once messed up. It's now time to be born again a new creation. When Jesus brought the gospel and the good news to us, it was for the fact that sinners couldn't save themselves. And so a sinner must deny that he can save himself. He must say, I can't do this. I need Jesus to do it for me. That's how it starts. Everybody say the new person. Thank you. But then as you see outside of the new person, there is a growing, knowing, and showing. See, the growth happens after you're made new. This is the Holy Spirit inside the believer's life, growing their faith by the knowledge of God and showing it by their life of discipline. By saying, because I've been changed, I will now live like I'm a new person. So because my son, Lucas, was born in my family as a Wyrostic, he will now learn the rules and the ways of a Wyrostic. I don't ask your child to do that. I ask my child to do that. God does not expect sinners to keep his commands because they cannot, and they are condemned already on their way to hell. But God expects you to keep his commands. And if you want to be technical, there is one command that every sinner is to keep, and that is to repent. That is the only command a sinner can do, is repent and be born again. That is it. Some of you may say, well, what about being nice to your neighbor and all of those things? At the bottom line, everything a sinner does is still stained with sin. Take, for example, if I had anthrax all over my body like tar, and now you asked me to give your child a bath or for me to give my own child a bath. No matter how much I love them, no matter how gentle I would be with that child, I have four, by the way, fifth on the way, uh, no matter how gentle and loving I would be with that child, every touch I would give them would infect them only more with anthrax. There is no good father that will get to heaven without Jesus Christ. Fathers without Jesus Christ are sinners and an abomination to God. There is no mothers that will get to heaven without Jesus Christ. Mothers without Jesus Christ are an abomination to God. There is no person that will get to heaven without Jesus Christ. Everything they will think they have done is good, the Bible says, will be considered as filthy rags. Not to be gross and disgusting, but the prophet Isaiah who said, your good works are as filthy rags to God, used the word for rag that women have on a menstrual cycle. It could not have been more gross to the bystanders there. Your rags, your good works will be as filthy rags. So the new person must come from Jesus. We must be born again. We must then understand that now that we are children of God, we are obligated to know the laws of God. So let's say you meet a Christian. They say, I know God, but they don't obey God. You have met a false Christian. You have met a hypocrite. And they are detestable and worthless for any good thing. Can I show you that in the Bible? Is it okay if I show you some of the scriptures? Look with me to Titus chapter 2. I want you to understand that people who say they know Jesus but do not keep their com his commands are worthless, detestable, unfit for any good thing in the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful today that I get to show you this in love because I care about you. Look at Titus. Look at the book of Titus. Chapter 2, ver, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 16. They claim to know who, but by their actions they, what? Deny him. They are what? Detestable, 
disobedient and unfit for doing anything good. You want to see the word worthless? Let me show it to you in a more modern translation. Such people claim they know God. How many people here know somebody that says they know God, but by their actions they deny them, deny him? How many people say you know somebody like that? This is what they are. They are detestable, disobedient, and worthless for doing anything good. Whether or not you obey God is up to you, but you cannot say, I can't obey God. If you say you can't obey God, that is a sign you are a sinner on your way to hell. Because a sinner can repent and obey God. A Christian can obey God because they have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is no one, either sinner or saint, that says, I cannot obey God. A sinner can repent and say, I choose now to obey God. And a person who's been born again can know God and obey him. So all of us are without excuse. So how well do you know the commands of God? How well do you show it by your behavior so that you can grow up? If my child says they know my commands in the house but don't show it by their obedience, they will never grow in maturity. If you say you know God but you don't show it by your life, you will never grow as a Christian. Because in the end, Jesus came for Christians, uh, for people to be like him, Christ-like. So when people say that nobody's perfect like Jesus, I understand that. But didn't Jesus die to change you, to make you like him? Didn't Jesus change us to live like him? So that's where renewal and transformation comes from. Everybody say renewal. And everybody say transformation. That's the evidence that the believer reflects the image of Jesus. They're now like Jesus because they've been born again. They know, show, and grow. And now externally in their behavior, they are led by the spirit. That's the spiritual life. So how should you know and show and grow? You should know that Jesus is God and Savior. You should know that Christians share in the same divine nature of Jesus. Remember, we just heard that in that previous passage that we read in 2 Peter. It says here that we share and participate in the divine nature. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You were born naughty by nature from your mom and dad, but by Holy Father and the Holy Spirit through the Holy Child Jesus, you can be born in divine nature, born again. Yes, I was born naughty. You can ask my parents. I got whooped all the time. But November 5th, 1995, I was born again into a divine nature. Do you believe that? If not, you can't be saved. There's no three ways to heaven. There's only one way. Believe that Jesus is God and Savior. Believe that you share in the divine nature of Jesus Christ. And believe that you can do all that God commanded you to do. Now, how do you show that? You show that when you read your Bible, keeping your family in order, memorizing Scripture, soul journaling, praying and worshiping, being a disciple and living like Christ, in Christian service, on your job, doing all things unto the Lord, in public evangelism, sharing your faith, in spiritual meditation, meditating on the things of God, in your financial stewardship, knowing that the love Love of money is the root to all sorts of evil. In Christian fellowship and church involvement, my friends, when you show that you know God, you will then grow in goodness. You'll grow in knowledge. You'll grow in self-control. You'll grow in perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness. How many want to grow in these things over here? If you want to grow in these things here, you need to know and show. If I want to grow in goodness with my wife, I need to know what she likes, and then I need to show it to her. 
I can't just say I love my wife and not know what she likes and do it. I can't just say I know God, but not show it and grow in it. We got to throw up before God throws up. Because God is upset with some of our behavior. God is upset with the way some Christians live. And the problem isn't the gospel. The gospel's already been given to us. What the problem is, is with our hearts. Look at this passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. Everybody say, ooh. Look at this passage. I'll just go up a few more verses here. It says, I know the things you do. Look at your neighbor and say, God knows the things you do. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, God really has got an eye on you. Come on, God knows what you do. I know the things that you do. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'm about ready to spit you out of my mouth. And what does that person say back to God? Do they say, God, you got me. I understand. I haven't made a choice yet. I'm being lukewarm. I'm being a hypocrite. No, they argue with God. This is the argument they say. And tell me if you've ever said this. I am rich and have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I can't tell you, friends, how much I've heard that in America. Oh, I, I'm good. When I talk to people on the streets about Jesus, hey, you got time to talk about Jesus? No, I'm good. Like as if Jesus was an optional upgrade. Like, do you want the GPS when I rented a car in Key West? You want the GPS? No, I'm good. You want to talk about Jesus? No, I'm good. My friend, you ain't good. You're on your way to hell. You ain't good without Jesus. But you know why they think that? Because they have a job that pays some bills, that lets them take a vacation or go to the lake at Memorial Weekend. They compare themselves to others, and they say, I'm good. I'm rich. I've got everything I want. I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. Oh, look what God says. Oh, and you don't realize that you are wretched miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't have one thing. You don't have nothing. You didn't create the own brain that you have. Your brain will go into a grave and your soul will be judged. You didn't create the blood flowing through your veins to allow you to work and save money. You haven't created the world that can produce wealth. You have nothing and you stand poor, blind, naked, and you're miserable. Oh, but the devil's a liar. He convinces poor people all the time that they have something. He convinces naked people, look how good you look. Look how good you look. And he convinces miserable people all the time. You feel good. It must be right. If it feels good, do it. He convinces them all the time to be led by their feelings. But my friends, your feelings are deceiving you if you're not doing it God's way. We look at these uh, look at this understanding of what God is teaching us here, and we begin to see that what we need is goodness. What we need is knowledge. What we need is the things that only God can give. And so what, is it, what does it take to live a spiritual life? It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the dove of God in every part of our life. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us new. It's the Holy Spirit that grows us. And it's the Holy Spirit that renews and transforms us. The Holy Spirit is God among us, and he comes in Jesus' name sent by the Father. And so the question is, do you want to live a spiritual life or do you want to live a fleshly carnal life? Do you have faith to believe that there's hope beyond the scope of your human limitation? Do you believe that there's a world to come, my friend, after the grave? Do you believe a God who created you will hold you accountable? 
If you do, then you need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. And so how do I become born again? I ask the Holy Spirit to make me new. He does what I never could do for myself. I've lost 60 pounds. I understand what it's like to do physical renovations, but I can never change the inside of my heart. Never without God. I can never grow and become the kind of man that God wants me to be. If you're here today, ladies, let me just tell you something, and you're married to a man and he doesn't serve God, it will be impossible for him not to lust after other women. How do I know? I'm a man who serves God, and I know the temptation that I face and how I have to pray for God not to lead me into it. You show me an ungodly man, I'll show you a man full of lust. And if he denies it, I'll show you a liar. You don't know men like me, ladies. I'm a man's man. I hang out with men. I hunt. I fish. I go to the gym. Your man is lusting when you're not around if he doesn't have God. They think it's okay. They think it's okay. Men will lie all the time. There was just a little video that was put out of a guy just wanted to see if people would tell the truth. And so he had a $100 bill in his hand, and he had a video uh, camera watching him, and he went right by people's feet, would pick up the $100 and go, oh, did you drop this? And then he would watch their reaction. And one man, he did that with him, you know, went by, oh, did you drop this? Oh, yeah, I dropped it, thanks. And, and, and just to make the point further on how people will lie, he said, no, 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 just, just check your wallet just in case. And the man goes through the motions, pulls out his wallet. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had 100 in here. It's missing now. The man then said, and this is a separate one, the man then said, I got you on camera. You shouldn't lie. Shows you how bad the world is today. And then the guy goes, no, 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 you're lying. You're lying. If you don't give me that, I'm going to call the police right now. Literally, within a few moments, the lie of this man was so self-deceiving that he believed it enough said he was going to call the police. It dumbfounded the person doing the example I am telling you today. If the righteous hardly be saved, what hope is there for the wicked? That is from the scriptures, my friend. The wicked have no hope. Christ is our only hope. Without him, it is hopeless. That is why we need to understand our purpose in life and to grow spiritually. It starts with the Holy Spirit making us new in salvation and sanctification. We're made like Christ. Then we spiritually grow to know, show, and grow like Christ. And then we're spiritually renewed and transformed to have the thoughts and behaviors, to think and act like Christ. That is why you were made. That is why when God formed dust of the earth and breathed into it, it was to reflect his image. Not the image of a man. Not the image of something you see on TV and entertainment. It was meant to reflect the image of God. So let me ask everyone a question as I get ready to conclude my introduction. Before I get into the message, I want to ask you a couple questions because i got a message to preach to you. This was just the intro. Look at your neighbor and say, he's serious. I'm, I'm just being serious. This is the introduction. Listen to me. You ain't got nowhere to go tomorrow, amen? We'll be here all night. Come on. Watch this. Look at it. New birth plus spiritual growth plus renewal and transformation equals reflecting the image of Christ. Have you been born again? If you haven't, today I call you to repentance. Stop acting like you can do it without God. Repent. If you have been born again, are you growing and acting like it? Are you showing that you have been born again? And those of you who have been born again and are growing, what renewal and transformation is needed in your life today? What thinking needs to change? What behaviors need to change? We don't start with uh, cognitive therapy. We don't start with behavior modification. We start with new birth and spiritual growth. 
The tree will grow naturally fruit when it's planted in good ground and watered and taken care of. That is the illustration Jesus gives in John 15, that we will be a fruitful vine in his vineyard, but we have to be planted into him and grafted in. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Everybody say from glory to glory. Even as by the spirit of the Lord. How many want to go from glory to glory? How many are tired of going from glory to gory? How many are tired of the gore of this world, the filth of this world? I'm a pastor. I've read this Bible. I understand there's grace for forgiveness. But listen to me. Grace is also the power not to sin. We were supposed to pray, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. My friends, when are you going to get sick and tired of sin? When are you going to get tired of being on the gerbil wheel of sin and can not, not going anywhere? When are you going to get tired of the merry-go-round of, I'm sorry, Lord, I did something wrong. Oops, I did it again. I'm sorry, Lord. Oops, I did it again. Oops, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Forget Oops, oh, I just give this thing up. I'm tired. Of when are you going to believe that whoever comes to Jesus is a new creation? When are you going to believe the Bible, hallelujah, that we can go from glory to glory to glory and say to hell with the devil, I'm going to heaven with Jesus. That's where I'm going. I'm going to reflect Jesus. You can reflect Lady Gaga. You can reflect Jennifer Lopez. You can reflect whoever y'all want to reflect. I'm going to reflect Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I've already left friends to get here. I've already left family members to get here. I'll leave you if I got to go to the next level without you because I'm going where God is showing. I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. It's about time in our culture that Jesus means something again other than a swear word. It's about time that we realize that there's power in the cross and transformation and that we were breathed into and made living beings not to act like animals but to have dominion over this world and to prosper and to be sons and daughters of a king living up to the name of Christian Christ-like. Now, if you want to find another pastor to tell you something else, that's up to you. You and your pastor can bust hell wide open. I'll tell you what the word of God says. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And some people will face judgment day. Can I show you what it's going to be like for some people? They're going to say, oh, I know Jesus. I know little baby Jesus. It didn't matter what that pastor told me. I know Jesus. It, it don't matter. Listen to me. Some will say, Lord, Lord. Somebody say, Lord, 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 Lord. Oh, Lord, I know him. Look at some are going to say on Judgment Day, Matthew 7. Look what some people are going to say. You may be this person. I got, I got to love you. On Judgment Day, many. Does it say some or does it say many? Many will say to me, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Some of you all even have prophesied. You don't even know what that is. What this is telling you, if this, what this is saying, if a televangelist can go to hell, you can go to hell with them. Hello. On Judgment Day, the super Christians are going to go, we prophesy, we cast out demons in your name, we perform miracles. Some of y'all even got that pedi pedigree. You don't even have the pedigree, but you think you're going to impress God on Judgment Day. These people literally did miracles in God's name, prophesied, cast out devils. But verse 23, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You might say, well, I don't believe in that, Jesus. You believe in a make-believe, Jesus. 
Does your Jesus, does your Jesus hang out with uh, Beauty and the Beast? Is your Jesus on the same level of Frozen? Hello, I'm being honest. Is, is your Jesus one planet over from Thor's planet? Because the Jesus of the Bible said this, many, many. And I, I tremble when I read this. Why? Because I have seen demons cast out. I have seen sick people healed. And if he's talking to me now, he's, he's saying, Joe, you start breaking my law? You don't live like you were supposed to? And you say you know me? It ain't going to go well for you, Joe. Can I show you one more scripture before I get to my message? Amen. You went to, <laughs> you came to a good church today. You came to a good, this is where they went to Bible college. Some of you are like, what kind of church is this? The one that your family member or friend went to Bible college at. It's the same one. Look at this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. Do you all know the truth? Does anybody here not know the truth? If you don't know the truth, I'll come talk to you after service. Take me out to lunch, and I'll be there all day with you. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. What does that mean? Everybody look up at me, please. Leave these lights just right here so I can see them. Thank you. What this means is if you think after your death, I need to see the people here. If you think after your death you're going to make it right with God, you won't. I've talked to so many people that think, you know, Pastor, maybe you're right. Maybe this other pastor's right. I don't know who's right. But you know what? Uh, on judgment day, I'm, I'm going to get it right with God. I'm going to explain it to him. I'm be like, man, you know, I went to this church, and they told me to cease Father Tom and confess my sin in a dark closet. And I thought I was good. I did three Hail Marys. I mean, and then I went to this other fr crazy radical church, and they told me I had to live for you, Jesus. Now, Jesus, I was confused. Uh, let's work it out. If I need to say I'm sorry now for all that crazy stuff, I I'll do it. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you, do, you don't get another chance. There's, there's, there's no more sacrifice up there. There's no more discussion up there. There's no more let's try to work it out up there. What do you, what do you expect? But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume God's enemies. My friends, what else could I tell this church other than what I have shared to you during this sermon series? I've said it out of love. We got a wonderful sermon series coming up. If you like this one, you're going to love the next one. Amen. If you didn't like this one, you're going to hate the one even more. So repent and get right with God. But if you love Jesus, you're going to love the next one. Because the next one, could you just put up the slide where I got to find it somewhere? The next one's going to teach us how to be disciplined in our Christian life. Teach us how to pray. Because some of us, man, we just don't know how to pray, and that's okay. You can talk to God any way you want. Trust me, God hears your thoughts. God hears all the crazy stuff in my mind, too. Sometimes I'm wondering if, like, an angel comes over to God and is like, do you understand what he's thinking about right now? <laughs> like, he needs your help. He needs your help. Like, my guardian angel's, like, up in heaven all the time. Joe needs you, you know. But listen, we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. Because I don't want anybody in this church to say, I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to meditate and get deep within my soul. I, I don't know how to serve and be a part of the church. I don't want people making excuses. I want to take you through the Bible and help you understand what does it mean to pray? What does it mean to read your Bible? What does it mean to serve and to, to be a leader? Put in your finances in order. I'm sure that would be a great talk. Amen. <laughs> People love when I talk about money. No, but I mean, serious. I mean, I should say something about what Christians should do with money, right? I mean, we should know. 
We should know how to have our families in order. You can sit next to your husband and wife and nudge every time something comes across that they need to hear. You hear that, honey? You hear that, honey? Don't touch me, you know? Let's keep it real. Put up this thing. I want to show this, this sermon that I prepared for you today. I'm not going to preach it very long, but I want you to hear it as he puts out my message. What I gave you was the introduction. Thank you, sir. I want you to see this today. That faith is so important to your life that if you miss it, you'll miss everything. Mankind cannot choose faith unless God frees our will and enables us to believe in him. And so since the fall of mankind, God has revealed his light to us through our conscience and through the Bible. So you need to have faith and you need to listen to your conscience and the word of God. The attribute of faith that's so important that the Bible says that why we need it is because it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When, when we don't see God, sometimes I, I can fall into this trap too, we don't think about God. We can be Christian atheists and Christian our belief, but atheists in our lifestyle. And faith is what connects us to God in all that we do. We, we are literally given a hope, an evidence, a substance on the inside of us. The necessity of faith, listen to it here. It says it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six, without faith because first you must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's why when your friends say, I'll believe in God after he shows me a lightning bolt, it doesn't work like that. You don't ask God to prove himself to have faith. You have faith and God always proves himself. God always shows himself to those who have faith. It's the other way around. Do you understand? You have faith in God's word, and God will keep his word. You don't ask God to do something so that you'll have faith. Faith is the only way you will have a direct conversation with him. You must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Faith plus works. We understand in the Bible that faith is just not mental assent. It's not make-believing. Faith is a living action. When, when Peter was challenged to walk on the water, that took faith. He believed that he could walk on water, and he also needed the action, the boldness, the courage to get out on the water. You and I can say all day long that we believe in airplanes, but that sometimes you've got to get on an airplane if you really believe in it. We can say all day long you believe in marriage and a happy home, but at some time you're going to have to actually perform and be a happy marriage and have a happy family. Faith plus works is what pleases God. Faith without works, the book of James says, is dead. It's worthless. It's useless. The seven quality of faith that we learn that we have to grow in is goodness. And you can look these up online. I have my notes online all the time at the mpichurch.org website. We have to grow in goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, uh, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Why? Because faith produces those things. Faith is not stagnant. Faith will cause you to love God more, love your neighbor more. How, you know, just take, for example, why can I love my neighbor who I know maybe doesn't like me? Because I have faith that God will change them, make them a different person. And by the faith I have in God, I'll be a better neighbor. How do you love your enemy? I mean, that's your enemy. But you have faith in God that your enemy can change. That's why you have love for your enemy, not to um, agree with their behavior. I don't agree with ISIS's behavior, the terrorists, but I love them and pray for them so that they can meet Jesus before our Marines go over there and drop it like it's hot with some hellfire missiles. I want them to know Jesus. Amen. Now, here's some thoughts I want you to think about in closing, and I'm trying to be brief. But do you want the kindness of God or do you want the sternness of God? Faith will determine which one you receive or don't receive. You see, if I put my faith in God, I will receive kindness from him. But if I disbelieve in God, then I'll have sternness. Can I show you that in the Bible? I'll stop asking the question and just start showing you. Look at Romans 11, chapter 22. It says, consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Everybody go, I'm going to consider. 
Come on, everybody say, I'm going to consider. This preacher is asking you to do what Paul said to do. Come on, somebody say, I will consider the kindness of God and the sternness of God. Stop thinking about God only as Barney. Think of the sternness of God and also think of the kindness. Many of you can imagine kind Jesus. You can think of always sweet Jesus, but you have no idea of judgment, Armageddon, stern, cast you out the temple, Jesus. Now consider both the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell. Fell from what? If you read the passage above, they fell from their faith. They stopped believing as God commanded them to believe. But kindness to you provided that you do what? You continue in his kindness. Otherwise, what? You also will be cut off. So is God serious about faith? Yes. If you stay in faith, you stay in the vine of God. You will bear great fruit for him. You will be blessed in all that you do. You disbelieve God. You get cut off, thrown into the fire. Consider the sternness and kindness of God. Amen. Next, the thing I want you to, to consider is the hard heart. Everybody turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 warns us from getting a hard heart. Let me help you discern whether or not you have a hard heart right now. If you have checked out of this sermon to do something else in your mind, you have a hard heart. Because you will sit and watch a baseball game without complaining for hours. You will watch the latest summer blockbusters for hours. You will sit and binge watch a stupid television show for hours. And the word of God has bored you. Why? For you, you have a hard heart. Can I be guilty of a hard heart? Absolutely. It war a warning is for me too. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. He is talking to people that got tired of hearing God's voice. Do you know who these people were? These were the Israelites that saw the greatest miracles of God and they got tired of hearing his voice. They got tired of God, and their hearts became hard. And this is now a warning to us. Don't get tired of hearing God's voice. When your ancestors tested me and tried me for 40 years, though they saw what I did, this is why I was angry with that generation. If you think God was angry with the Israelites, what do you think God is angry, or what level of anger do you think God has with, with a baby homosexual murdering generation, a baby murdering homosexual generation? What type of anger do you think God has? What we do in this culture and call acceptable would even make our grandparents blush. That's why I was angry with that generation. Were they killing their babies? Were they confused over what bathroom for people? No, they were simply just being rebellious and not wanting to go to church and or do what God said. God have mercy on our, our generation. He said, that's why I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on my oath, God said, I'm going to make a promise to you. You shall never enter my rest. You shall never come to paradise. Now, everybody look at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful 
unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Dear God, brother, sister, pastor, graduate, president, governor, mayor, policeman, be sure that you don't turn away from God and have a sinful, unbelieving heart. It won't go well with you. Other generations have tried to live that way, and God swore. He made a promise and said, you shall never enter my rest. He will do it again to another generation. He'll do it again to another family. My friends, today, there is no one worth going to hell over. No mother, no grandmother, no brother, no sister, no job, no patriotic spirit. There is nothing worth burning in hell over. See to it, your heart never gets hard. Believe, believe, and fight the good fight of faith. Keep fighting to believe what God says is true. But encourage one another. Look at your neighbor and say he's trying to encourage you. I got a smile on my face. I ain't mad at you. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to some backslidden church. I want you to stay here and get taught the word. I love you enough to tell you as a T.I. is, as it is. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Can everybody look up at me, please? Can I, can I encourage you? Don't let your heart get hard. Don't let the world harden your heart. Don't let entertainment make you numb to the morals of God. Don't let this world and its pursuit of money take away your heart of generosity. Don't let this world and the temptation of lust and adultery take away your heart and belief of marriage and raising your children. Don't let the devil take what God gave you. Amen. Hallelujah. God, I pray it first for my family. I don't have time to get into this last two, these last two, but it's so important as Vinny comes, is how do we overcome unbelief? Because it's serious. There was a man in the Bible, and I'll just tell you in closing, and thank you for your patience. And if you think this is hot, hell is hotter. Amen. I used to preach in the South, worked a lot better there. I think my brother from Miami can relate, but y'all be patient with me. Amen. There was a man in the Bible that came to Jesus and asked for a miracle for his son. He said he came to Jesus going, Jesus, if you can, if you can. And Jesus goes, what do you mean if I can? Of course I can. And then this is what the man said. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And then Jesus did the miracle and told him, the one who believes everything is possible for them. I wish I could show you the whole passage, but I can't. But just trust me, it's there. And I just think to myself, how many times have I come to God going, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, it's hard to always see, uh, uh, trust things I don't see. You know, I'm like you guys. I, I, I don't have a lot of money. and You know, you get tax returns or whatever, and it's not easy to think, oh, the first, the first thing I got to do is give tithe. You're like, man, if I had all of it, I could do this. But without that, I, I can't. And I feel like I come to God and I go, God, I believe, I believe. I know when I give, it's given back to me. I believe. But will you help me with my unbelief? See, sometimes I get tempted with lust. And I know in my heart I can make the excuse, man, I'm just a man. 
I'm just a man. And why did God have to make him so beautiful? I just admire him like his creation. They're little pretty flowers. I've heard a man tell me that before. And I just admire every one of God's little pretty bonita senoritas. How could that be wrong? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, fellas. Boricua Fest coming up. I would be like, Lord, lead me not to temptation. Lead me not, Lord, lead me not. But deliver me from evil. Oh, yeah, Lord, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I believe. For this city to be changed. But when I see the murder reports, come on, Jacob. And I see what's happening on the news. It's like, why am I even praying? Why am I even praying? The more I pray, the more they kill. But I come to God and I go, God, I believe. I, I believe you're the God of this city. I believe that you have a plan for gangbangers. One of them is now our youth pastor because you saved him. But Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my struggle when I see nothing but wickedness. So how do we then overcome it? By the word of God. It goes full circle. Knowing, showing, growing, knowing, showing, growing. See, we keep going around in that circle because we know, the more we know about him, the more we'll want to show that we know him, and the more we'll grow, and the more we grow, the more we want to know him, the more we show him, the more we we'll want to grow. And it's like we got to come to the word of God and say, I take this as my truth. That if God said I can be faithful to my wife, to death do us part, not lust in my heart, I believe that. That's the kind of man I want to be. If God says that he'll save a city and he'll pack out the stadiums with his gospel instead of watching just our teams kick a rubber ball down the field or whatever, he'll fill out the stadiums, I will believe. Help my unbelief. Come on, I'll go to the word of God. And if God said that he will save our children, save our young people, and give them a hope in the future where the problems they have don't deal with metal detectors and all those things, but he'll give them the hope in the future a generation should have, I'm going to believe. I'm going to go to the word. Now, my question is to you, do you want to meet me there? As a church, for, as we move to the next level of our sermon series, to the next season, do you want to meet me there in faith? Do you want to believe with God, God with me, that we can see what he said he, he would do, that he would keep his promises? Because he said everything is possible for the one who believes. Would you stand up with me and give Jesus a hand and clap of praise? It's all about him today. Come on. Band and altar workers, would you come? Let's pray. Come on, Jesus, we need you today. As we get ready to leave out here today, Lord, we're so thankful for the graduating class. We're thankful, Lord, that they have chosen to follow you. We now pray, Lord, that all of us will take up our calling, that all of us will do what you've told us to do, that we'll believe. We'll believe. Right now, where are you at with God? Do you need to be born again? Start right there and say, Jesus, I believe you can change me. I believe you can make me new on the inside. Come on, is that where you need to start? Start right there. Pray. It's not a library. Come on, pray. Talk to Jesus. What do you need right now? Faith, faith, faith is how we accomplish these things. That's what he said. Who wants right now their life to change? Have faith. Start with God and his power. Who wants their marriage to change? Have faith. Come on. Come on, you would think in a church like this we wouldn't have any divorces. We wouldn't have anybody needing counseling, right? Come on. You'd be surprised how much marriage counseling we have to do in a church this size. Come on, you would think in a church like this, no 
anybody possibly could be addicted to anything, right? You'd be surprised. Oh, in a church like this, nobody's depressed, right? Nobody deals with suicide. No, not here. Come on, before you call up a counselor, call up a friend, call on Jesus right now. I double-dog dare you to get serious with Jesus. I dare you right now to say, Lord, I have faith, but help my unbelief and be serious. I dare you to pray and say, Lord, I want to hear your word today and act on it. If this preacher's telling the truth, Lord, I want it. 30 more seconds right now. Right now, what do you believe in God for? Come on, let's believe God. Those of you who don't even know where to start, start right now by praying and believing for a city to change. Keep on the stage lights for me, please. Come on, somebody pray, believe right now for a city to change. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Right now, our Boricua Fest has over 1,000 people interested on Facebook, and 600 have committed to coming. That's the largest outreach we've ever had. Think about that. 600 at Boricua Fest. Do you believe that God can do it? What, what, what do you think is going to happen on the counter, corner of California and North? All these churches say they love Humboldt Park. All these churches say they love Puerto Ricans. Even I had a Puerto Rican pastor tell me, I ain't going to that outreach. I asked him, I said, why won't you join us out there? My people are crazy. I ain't going out there. Puerto Rican pastor told me that. If I told you his name, you'd want to go beat him up, so I ain't going to tell you his name. But he told me that face to face, and I said, listen, I don't care. I'm going to bring my kids out there. Bring my dad out there. I'm going to love with my actions. It's one thing to say it and take their money and your offerings every week. I'm going to go out there right where they're at. Love them because I got faith. Help me with my unbelief, Jesus. I don't want to die out there, Jesus. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I want my kids to come back home safely, Jesus. But I will go out there. Come on. 15 more seconds. What do you want to get serious with God about? Come on, take it up with him. Take it up with him. Well, I've tried that before, Pastor, and it didn't work. Too. Well, take it up with him right now. He'll tell you why it didn't work. Maybe because you gave up, huh? Maybe because you started double dipping in sin. Don't come to this church and play like, oh, I've done this before and it ain't worked. I got too many testimonies where it has worked. Right now, get real with God. Get real with God. He loves you too much to let you stay the way you are right now. Faith, faith, faith will change your life. Faith will change your world. Faith will change your family. Faith will change your children. Oh, y'all don't believe that? This preacher got saved at 18 years old at my mother's kitchen table because my mother prayed for three years when I was on drugs, getting arrested. She had faith. No matter how bad I kept acting, she had faith. Faith. Save my son. Save my son. I double-dog dare some parent to pray for their lost child right now. Save them, Jesus. Save them, Jesus. Save them doing drugs, feeling the presence of God. I told my mother, I said, when did you normally pray for me? She said, I would pray in the midnight hours. I would say, I'd be as high as a kite, and I would get sober all of a sudden, and I would start feeling convicted. That's why my mother led me to the Lord at a kitchen table. No pastor. Probably all pastors forgot about me, but my mother prayed for me nonstop every day. She wrote things out in her journal. She, she, she knew how to soul journal, write down her prayer requests. She sold them to me when I got saved, took me to the den. She prayed for me every day, and she took me to that den, sat me down, opened up her prayer journal, and she said, there's, there's a passage right here in Jeremiah the Lord wanted me to give to you, and it was this, that your words would be like hammer breaking rocks into pieces, and that you would be like a fire setting the world ablaze. She said, I got that when you were at your worst, and God said, show it to him when he comes, comes back home. 
faith. Faith will move mountains. Faith will change your life. Faith will make you want to stay in a hot service 30 more seconds because it's worth it. Faith. Faith will have you forget about all the problems that you're facing right now and all you'll see is Jesus. I'm not saying they'll disappear. I'm just saying faith will change your focus. Faith will change your focus. How long did Peter walk on water? As long as he was looking at Jesus. When did he start to sink? When he started looking at the waves and the wind. Come on, who wants to put their eyes on Jesus? I'm doing you a favor today, saints. I got another service I got to preach at, but I'm doing you a favor. Why? Because I want you to put your faith and your focus on Jesus today. I want you to walk out of here knowing that God is with you and that you're going to show it and grow it today. In closing, don't leave the same way you came. I plead with you. Put your faith in Jesus. We're going to sing this last little chorus in closing. As Adam begins to pray, if you need us to pray for you, just come up here right now. Just come up here right now as he starts to pray. If you uh, sing, as he sings, you come up for prayer. We will pray for anybody that's got faith today for something to change in their life. We believe in miracles. We believe in what God can do. But you've got to want to step out. Who today wants to get prayer for something in their life to change? Who today is going to say, I ain't ashamed? Help us, Lord. Oh, come on. The Spirit, lead me where my trust.